the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined, as always, by the illustrious Spencer Horn, who is the brains behind this operation. Spencer, how are you? I am great. Scholar, gentleman, friend, Christian Napier. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. Now, you have the purple background, but you're not wearing the purple shirt today. You're going with the more, what is that, a, a pink, a salmon? It's uh, salmon, yeah. You know, well, it goes great. So I've, I've been, I have been presenting since 6.30 this morning. I did my first workshop in, in uh, New York this morning. And so I put on my, you know, my jacket. This looks really good with this, with this shirt. So, you know, I'm standing up and I have this, this desk that raises up and down. And so I'm, you know, I, I got my whole suit on, I got my studio here and I'm doing presentations and whiteboards and we're just having a blast. And so I've, I've seriously been going since 630 this morning and I'm drinking a Red Bull to keep, you know, pushing me through here. All right. Well, kudos to the Red Bull to give you some juice for our podcast today, although we probably don't need any because no, our guest no, is amazing. Don't. No, we don't. I do have to say about the salmon. I had salmon for dinner last night. Yes, you did. Yes, and, we talked uh, about that. How was it? It was delicious. So, yeah, on the salmon theme, I no complaints. I love the salmon. So, how are your steaks, by the way? Uh, well, everybody loved them. Uh, we we hadn't done T-bones in a long time. You know, T-bones are we usually get like a ribeye, but T-bones are hard because you got to pick them up and you, you get it all over your face to just to get that last meat right in against the bone. <laughs> yeah, you you don't want to waste any of it, right? No. Hey, but before we, we move, uh, you know, on to our amazing guest, I, I saw some news last night that just really caused me to be very crestfallen. And, you know, for those of us who are sports fans, Pac-12 just canceled all sports through the end of the year. Major blow. I mean, I can't even imagine being the athletes that have been practicing and working and looking forward to, to competing. What are your thoughts, Christian? Oh, I totally agree. We were talking about this the other day, how a lot of the players had banded together. They want to play. Yeah. They were talking about forming a union, trying to make sure that they could play safely. And now the conferences are dropping the hammer. And I do feel terribly for the sports. And it's not just football. It's all fall sports, including basketball won't be starting this calendar year. They'll be starting up next year, hopefully. Yeah, geez. Well, hopefully we'll be able to start, you know, maybe right in January, something like that. Just just postpone it a little bit. Well, I'm sure the players and the coaches and everybody are really stressed out and they could probably use the services of our guest. That, that, that is that is so, so true. You know, she's smiling. But so I guess that leads us to which I'm very excited to to talk to today. Our guest, Annie Lieb, who I am. So thrilled that she was able to join us. We met, gosh, a little over a month ago. Is that right, Annie? Yes. And you know, she's somebody that uh, you know, just through through my outreach program, I happened to connect with, and and she accepted my invitation on on LinkedIn, and we had uh, a conversation. And for me, I just I absolutely loved listening to Annie and learning about her and what she does. And she's somebody that is uh, really willing to help others. I mean, her work that she does in, in her, her professional life is amazing. It's all about helping people be more successful and have less stress in their life. And it's really the, the reason why I wanted her to come on today is to talk about her focus in, in her life professionally on mental health. She's really a mental health crusader. She works in, in the, um, the healthcare space with a lot of healthcare organizations. And Annie, you know, I'll talk about your, your, your profile here in a minute, but there's a lot of unhealthy people that work in healthcare. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? It sure is. And so I was just so impressed with with what she does and how much energy she has. Um, she has a podcast that where she talks a lot about just how to how to live and how to have uh, the best life. And she calls it living with attitude. And I've listened to it and it's really, really amazing. And hopefully she'll be able to talk about that. But she's a mom. She's a consultant. She has an executive MBA. And 
the podcast that I told you that she hosts every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because she's a Philly girl. Talk about food. What a great, it's so Philadelphia is one of my favorite places to go visit. My wife and I love to go there. There's so many great, amazing museums, but great food. You know, when it comes to cheesesteaks, there's there's a place kind of south town. Now I, I always forget it, but it's it, it's um, it's not in the downtown area. Oh my God. What is it? John's Rose Pork is the greatest cheesesteak. It's, oh, it's a hidden gem. There's so many greatest cheesesteaks. No, that's... no, this is, I know. I'm born and raised Philadelphia. I bleed green and I know the best cheesesteak there is in the entire city. So no one else gets to pick it. <laughs> but, but there's this, plenty. There's Steve's, you know, there's um, Jim's. Everybody has a different opinion. There's Pat's and Gino's that are famous. Right. But there, yeah, there's another one that I, I can't remember the name of. It. I'll figure it out. I should have been prepared for that. But then you guys have this, what's this this shaved ice that's like a Philly thing? A water ice. Water ice. Water ice. <laughs> what do you mean? I was like, what's he going to say? I hope I know about it. Yeah, water ice. Like, that's only in Philly? Well, we don't call it water ice. Mean? You know, we call oh, it shaved ice or Hawaiian ice or whatever. I'm sorry. Out, out water. West, right, right, Christian? Water ice. Water. No, water. Water. Yeah, water. Okay. W-U-D-D-E-R, water. Exactly, exactly. I don't understand. There's just, I love downtown. There's so many great restaurants. I mean, I I love going into Chinatown. But one of the experiences I had is I, I, I learned from a local that there's this place called Cook. And it, it's it's this little boutique shop where they have like 16 seats and they bring in executive or, or celebrity chefs from all around the, the city and they host a, a night with a chef and, and they usually bring a, a team of people and you go in and you have to you have to it's they allow you to reserve the 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 first day of the month so you have to be ready to get on their website or or you'll never get a reservation right and you just you got to click on it and get in and make a reservation it's like 150 dollars a person based on you know who the chef is but my wife and i did it and we had this chef and i now i can't remember his name but i got it all on video and and they made the most amazing meal and they, they make it while you watch they talk about it they talk about their process and it's just it's so cool christian well, now my mouth is watering, but my wallet is saying, you know what? Maybe I'll stick with chilies. <laughs> it's worth it. If you have a palate for food, Philadelphia is truly a hub. I mean, it's like a microcosm of New York where, you know, you can really get into all sorts of kinds of food, very eclectic. Um, and then there's, you know, there's Mark Vetri, who's famous. And there's a lot of different famous people that work in Philadelphia and produce. I mean, it's really sad what's happened with the restaurant scene. And hopefully that will change. You know, COVID has had such an effect on so many industries, but the restaurant industry, especially um, all my friends that were, you know, were waitressing and serving um, and bartending, you know, they've really been hit hard. And I just feel really bad, badly for them among many other people in many other industries. But yeah, Philly is the place to be for food. So if anybody needs a rec, reach out to me. I will be happy to tell you the different sections and where to go. And I'm very opinionated. <laughs> I would love that. You can go to Chili's. There's one here. <laughs> Yeah, when you go out to the suburbs, like, you know, uh, King of Prussia, and it's a little more mainstream, you can get those kind of places out there, right? Yeah, um, we'll send him out to to, to the suburbs for that. Or right, maybe right. there's, you know, there's something we can find for him, right. I'm sure. You got you to go into town, though, for there's just so many amazing things to see. So back to, to you, Annie, you know, you're, you're loyal, you're driven, you're dedicated. And, and I, you call yourself an empathetic warrior who was put on this earth to make an impact on each person and does so in every interaction. And that's really, you know, that's really been my experience with you. Love my interaction with you. You're a force of nature. You are a solution in a sea of issues and a problem solver in an ocean of obstacles. and you know, just helping people deal with the everyday ordinary minutia of life and living and working in a broken and toxic lifestyle. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things I want to talk about is how do you help people detox their their whole life and, and not only that, but the workplace. And that's going to get to our topic of, you know, mental health and, and well-being. And, you know, when, when you have those toxic 
issues in your life that really impacts relationships, causing conflict and, and, and keeps your productivity down. And so that's really her focus is helping improve productivity by re removing that toxicity. And, and you, you find ways to help minimize stress and knock down those barriers and, and strategize all kinds of fixes for people at work. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to hear about you. That's, uh, that's a little bit about our, our guest today, Christian. All right. Absolutely. Uh, super excited to have Annie join us here. And uh, why don't we start off, Annie, with just asking a simple question, which is, how did you get in this space in the first place? So I, it's a great question. I started off, um, I graduated um, and I started from BU and I started in a sales position in pharma sales um, in my very first job. And one of the things that I loved about pharma sales was my experience in the CNS space, which is the central nervous system, so the brain. Um, and I learned all about the different aspects of mental health. So um, whether it was bipolar, major depressive disorder, schizophrenia, uh, whatever it was, um, I was just so interested in this. And I just started to look around and see how many people were, at, were affected and how it's such a silent disorder. Everything is silent. You can't see it. Um, you know, people are sad and they're down and, and then other people say, well, just pick up, just smile, just be positive. And, you know, it's like, that doesn't work when it's a chemical imbalance and that doesn't work when you're doing the wrong things. So when I decided to leave a big corporate position, um, because I felt like I was being held back and I went back at 40 to get my executive MBA, which was a transformational experience for me. And when I say that, I mean, really, really hard and really expensive. Um, but on top of that, really amazing. And I met incredible people and I really changed a ton. And in the middle of that, I needed to make ends meet. And I started my own firm and I started Annie Lieb LLC. And the reason I did that was because I saw the need for not, there's a lot of coaches out there, but are there people that are getting to the root of the toxic culture? So when, when you say toxicity to me, um, and when you're describing me and what I do, it's, it's not just toxicity, meaning negative people, negative emotions, things like that. There's the whole element of what you're eating, what you're putting in and on your body. So the products that you're using, the foods that you're eating, what you're surrounding yourself with, chemicals that we unfortunately are not banned here, that we... <laughs> And I, it's, it's a curse what I do because every, I was at a girlfriend's house the other day with a mask on and her son was making this candy kit. And all I could think of was the chemicals in there and everything that he was eating in the candy. And of course that one candy kit isn't going to do anything. But when I think about all that we consume and all that we put in and on our bodies and the effect that that absolutely has on mental and physical health. And then everything that's coming at us all the time from social media and all of the different toxicities around us and the stresses from work. It's no wonder there are so many depressed people. It's no wonder there are so many people that just want the key to happiness. It's no wonder there are so many overweight, unhealthy, so much cardiovascular disease, all of those things. And so when I meet with clients, I talk about how we can get to the root of the issue. Let's start with the toxins in your life. Let's cleanse you. Let's cleanse your office. Like, and in, in conjunction, like in the intersection of this with my insanity over the environment is that I think that there are ways we can be helping ourselves and also helping the environment. So then we're helping our children and our children's children as well. So, so where do you start? I mean, if you're, you know, if I'm somebody listening to this and I, and I want to get rid of some of the toxins in my life, I mean, is it, is so, it so let's how I shop or is it, is it, is it how I wash my clothes? Is it, you know, right. what I put on my no hair? Well, that, you know, I, I dig bald guys. So listen, I mean, I, you know, I'm fine <laughs> with that. That's, that's fine. Don't worry about your hair. But when I would say to you, let's say, let's pretend like you're a potential client. Okay. And you come to me and you're like, you know, tell me what you would say to me. I would, I would want you to talk to me about what was going on that was bothering you. So let, let's make something up. So, you know, I, I, here's the thing I'm, 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 I'm working and my boss right now is just everything makes it about himself. And, uh, you know, we have a coworker that he, I, I really believe he's favoring and this coworker is completely toxic. And what I mean by that, he does not engage in our, in our meetings. And when he does, he is, he's, he, he makes snide remarks. Um, everything is, I just feel like, 
nobody is is supporting each other everybody is is focused on themselves and i it, and it's just draining the life out of me okay so i hear you and that's a horrible situation and i feel for you because i've been there but what i'm going to tell you is i haven't met with your team i'm only meeting with you at first so let's talk about you because right now it looks like we're we're deflecting and we're talking a lot about what everyone else is doing yes let's talk about you how are you having self-care in your life? What are you doing to take care of yourself? I, I, I'm not because I'm so overwhelmed with everything I have to do right now at work. I, I, I'm working from home and so I'm overwhelmed. I've got, yeah. I've got you know, two small children here and, and, and my husband and it seems like I'm always on and I just, I don't have any time. I've got my mother who's sick. She was diagnosed with, with COVID and I have to worry about her. Yeah. You know? And this is a real scenario, by the way. This is, this is, this is awful. I feel terrible for you. Um, and I, the first thing I want to say is just, I feel for you. And I've, I've been there, not the COVID situation, but I've been there and it just seems like you're really sort of really overwhelmed. So let's just take a breath and let's take it down a notch. And let's, this is what I would do in a real life situation. I would say, let's go back to some self-care. Let's talk about some gratitude here. So for the next week, I want you to do your homework and I want you to sit down and in the morning and at night, I want you to write out things that you're grateful for, for five minutes in the morning and five minutes at night. And then we're going to reconnect after that week. And we're going to talk about what, how you felt after you did that. I also want you to drink three big pitchers of, you know, not Red Bull. Oh yeah. But let's get a reusable. Um, I have one. It just, <laughs> I, I have one and I, just, I, I actually need to re I just needed to wash it. It's normally right here. So, so, so I do business. I, I have a partnership with a really amazing company called Hydrate. Okay. And they're, they're, it's a silicone water bottle so that all of that plastic isn't leaching into your, into your system. And it connects to an app on your phone and keeps track of what you're drinking all day. So let's get you one of those. Okay. Cool. I want one of those. Discount. And it starts blinking every time you're supposed to drink and it keeps track of what you're drinking all day. And it goes by your height and weight. So we'll start with some, this is the first week. Okay. We're going to start with some water. We're going to take some deep breaths and we're going to do five minutes of free writing in the morning and five minutes of free writing in the afternoon. And you're just going to go about your day and we're going to start to look inward instead of facing outward and seeing what's wrong and everyone is, everything's happening around us. Does that make sense? Very much. Do you feel let's connect, let's reconnect in a week and we'll talk. that i think what happens is is that so often you know our our well-being is challenged because we feel like we're not in control we feel like our environment and people around us are making us unhappy and unhealthy and so mm -hmm. that's where the focus is so often is outward so much the blame and and you and the victim mentality and so if we turn the camera and the lens back on us not to blame ourselves but to simply say, let's just do, and you saw that I said a week and I also said, and I'm not, I wouldn't be taking any form of payment in this regard. Like I'm just starting with the person. Just, I just gave advice that you could look up on the internet. I'm not doing anything novel here, right. but I just wanted the person to take it down one notch and start with one week and just start with these little steps and little things you can do to make tiny tweaks. And I bet you that person would see a little difference next time we talked. The problem I love that. So often we think our problems, Annie, are so big and they are big. The problem is, is that the answer is not always that huge life shift. It's, it's small things. It's little, you know, I, I have some coaches that say quarter turns, right? It's just, it's a little actions that you can take because then you can start seeing success from those little actions and immediate exactly. wins. And, and the bigger the issue that, and, and it, I get overwhelmed. So I know that feeling. This is, this is all from experience. Okay. And so I, everything that, that is said to me for the most part, I can relate to, or I've been through. So one or the other, and I can, that's what makes me kind of good at what, at my job, because I hear you and I feel you as an empathic soul more so than, than just a regular person. Okay. So I understand that I feel the overwhelm just in you telling me the story. I feel it. And it's like, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from. So let's just, let's just, because everything seems too much right now. So if I were to say, let's do a whole detox and revamp on you, that would overwhelm you. Let's, let's, ah! let me, yeah, it would totally turn you off and it wouldn't work. It would fail. So the baby steps and starting there, and I would check in with that person every day. And, and that's how I would get a client because I would earn their trust by saying, let's just start here. And yeah. they would start to see the little changes. And like you said, 
turning that lens sort of in inward instead of, well, he's does this and this one, my husband, and you know, you're not going to be able to control any of that. You know, your boss sucks. I get it. We'll deal with that later, but let's talk about like, what are you doing for (laughs) self-care? Because it didn't seem like, and you even said in your story, nothing. So how can you be bringing yourself and bringing your all? No. And this, this is an actual story of, of somebody that I know. And, um, right. And, and they're, they're, you just, you, you feel for, for them and, and they're absolutely. And sorry, the first Spencer. thing Spencer I saw, the first thing I saw too was, and I didn't mean to be rude. It's just the plastic water bottle. Like I know for, I know that there's plastic being, see, that's so bad for the earth. Not only is that bad for the earth, but, and I'm not shaming you only a little, but, but I just talked to you about a really cool product that I, that I partner with that is I use myself that will help you to reach your goals. I'm not just saying get a reusable jug to carry around. I'm saying get this particular one. So my, my issue with water, I am, I am a, a water freak. I hate tap water because I don't like the chlorine it's, in it. No. And I can tell it immediately. I don't like it's crunchy. And so I like filtered water and that's why I buy, you know, bottled water. But that's you've got my, your own little filter right that's there. My, that's my filter in my office, in my home. And I've had it for 20, not that one, but for 20 years, I have to have filtered water. Yeah. And, and you can tell immediately when you don't have it. And so, um, and I don't have one of those. And so that's why I go with the bottled water. So that's my excuse for being. And that's a really uh, good excuse, but also total BS. Yeah. So. A, a non-steward of the environment. <laughs> We're going to, we'll talk about that one off. So I don't shame you too much in public. <laughs> I could take it. Christian, what about you? Well, yeah, I can take it. I actually don't drink water out of water bottles either or plastic bottles either nice. because I drink mostly out of the tap. Um, I don't mind tap water. Actually, I have uh, a water filter in the fridge. The refrigerator has, you know, the water thing that comes out of it. And I usually just drink that water aside. Um, I want to know what the genesis and the meaning of anitude is. Um, okay. So I have to tell you the God's honest truth, because one thing I don't do is I don't lie ever. And I don't know exactly the first day. Let's think of some other questions. Come on. I I don't never have I ever, I don't think that I know the exact time I said it, but I'm very like word oriented. So I always do plays on words and I love words and the way they're strung together. And I think it's just a beautiful thing. And I think one day, so I was named Annie, not Annie, even though everybody says Annie, except for some really down home Philadelphia people. So it said, ah, like Apple. So when you say attitude and you say my name, the way I was named Annie it sounds just like attitude. So one day I went like, that's a really crappy attitude that you have. You just have a terrible attitude. And someone said, you need to make that a hashtag. And I just said, you know what? Not only am I going to make it a hashtag, I'm going to make it a way of life. And I decided to call everything that I do in my clean and, and detoxed way. And the way that I live my life and move my, and move forward every day and, and put my head on the pillow at night and say, I did my best today. I'm living with attitude. You know, and one of the things that I think is aligned with what you just said, first about telling the truth and attitude, is that <laughs> you, when you tell the truth, that's also making sure that you're not building up those toxins in, inside of yourself, right? When you hold on to feelings, that's another form of toxicity, right? Totally. And, and so yeah, you're not sense. living in, a, in alignment with what's, what, what you value, by speaking truthfully, you're, you're actually letting those toxins out. This, am I, am I on? You're totally right. And along that note, I have to say that this reminds me of someone in my life that once said something to me that stuck with me forever. And he said, if you never tell a lie, you never have to remember anything. Right. And it's so true because when you tell the truth, your story's always aligned. You tell the same story every time you're consistent. And the reason that I bring that is because I don't make up little details. I don't, Telefib. And so when I speak in my truth, even if it hurts sometimes, and that doesn't mean that I won't say things kindly, but even if it hurts, you have to, you should speak your truth because then you're not going to get caught in a lie. And like you said, you don't have to carry around that weight. That's like a cloak when you tell fibs and lies and, you know, things like that. So that is totally, if I put my head on the pillow at night and I was, you know, honest all day long and truthful, and I'm talking about white lies too, you know, like people go, well, you know, I, I told her that blah, blah, blah. 
it's like, that's when it starts the web. So it does weigh you down and it is, it, it does affect people around you and yourself when you, when you don't, when you aren't in your own truth. I have a question, Annie, and it goes back to what we've been discussing here before, which is taking this uh, on individually, uh, a one-on-one kind of a thing. But what if I am an executive or I own a company and I get the vibes that maybe my culture is a bit toxic? So what can you do to help organizations? So I understand a little bit now what you can do to help an individual but what about an organization? Well, I would, that's a great question. I would want to sit down and like I just did with an individual, I would want to sit down with the team and get to the roots of the issues. So I'd want to have a talk and kind of find out. And again, just so we're clear, I don't pose as a coach. I don't have letters after my name. Well, I do MBA, but I don't have the, the coaching letters after my name. I am not a coach. I'm a confidant. I'm a friend. I'm a mentor. Like I'm not calling myself a life coach by any means, but what I am is like a detox, a detox person. So I would want to go in and kind of find out like what's missing here. Is there a communication breakdown? Is it, um, and a lot of times, honestly, that's what it is, Christian. Like it's a lot of times the communication, which in any relationship is always one of the key problems usually. But I would also want to talk about, and this might sound silly to some people, but I would want to talk about the basic culture in the office. So it's a little bit different with COVID, but so let's say you're in the office, like, are we using, I mean, there's everything from the products that we're using on our, you know, lotions or, or soaps or the foods that are being given out, the water that's being used, the plastic that's being used, um, the, the K-cups in the, in, the, um, in the coffee machines, like all of this is bringing toxicity to the world and why are their world and why are they not aligning? So I want to get back to the, to the mission and vision of the group and find out what is misaligned here. What's the real problem? And it's usually not one person. It's usually lack of communication and lack of understanding of mission and vision. So when you can get everybody on board with the mission and align with your mission and vision, you can usually move forward in a cohesive way. And then here's the other part. People are scared of conflict in general, personally, professionally, people are scared of conflict. People need to understand that conflict is okay. And feelings are okay. Anger is okay. All these things are okay. We right here, right now are okay the way we are. But when people, you know, everybody's on the defensive all the time and the reactive, it's like, I would just want everybody to take it down a notch. And I want to, I would want to breathe with them. And I would want to find out again, the roots of the issues. And I would want to detox the office and the products and get everybody on board with the mission and the vision. And if they're not find out why not. And, you know, just get to the bottom of that stuff. And it's like a, like almost like a, a shrink that comes in, but isn't, you know, isn't a psychiatrist, but somebody that knows people feels them. And I can also read people and see things that people are feeling a little bit that maybe they don't know, or I can sort of see like he's having an issue with her if, even if they don't say it, and then I can uncover problems like that as well. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and how do you get the typical corporate executive to say, we need that? How do they, who's your client and, and how do they hear about you? Because for a lot of people listening to this, they'd be like, what, you know, I have to worry about my coffee filters. Are you kidding me? Right. They might think that, but, and we're talking about real specifics that I would get in, you know, to the bottom of with each team, but all of the, the the handful of, and I remember I just started several months, just several months ago. So I'm not like big and bad yet, but the handful of teams that I'm working with, right. They've all come from those individual clients. So the individual clients I've worked with, and they've said to me, there's toxicity going on with my team. Can you pitch my boss? And then I'll go to their boss, or maybe they are the boss. Like in one instance, they are the boss. And then I would say, can we just like start from ground zero? Can we start fresh? And what I can do is I've actually saved teams and companies money. And when I can save them money, they are all ears. So they might say, what? But I know products and I know how to detox in a way that can conserve money. And as soon as they hear that, they want to listen. right. 
well, that's a, that's a, that's a better and more corporately responsible type of uh, focus, right? The CFO can get on board with that. Exactly. So you got to so know how to push that. I want to tie this all into to mental health, but I, I want to go back and just talk a little bit about you. It's interesting that, you know, you said you went back to school in your 40s. Uh, is that right? I mean, it's, and you have a, a 11-year-old son today. Okay. Yeah, and, I, I went back and out of my 40s. I was I was turning 40. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, 40. So you were 39. Okay, right, 40, so I'm not like mid 40. Okay, I'm like, I'm like just 41. You're still right? hip. You're, you're still cool, right? I'm, so, I'm cooler than my son will ever be. So I have an eight-year-old who's human Velcro. Um, she's not here right now. She said her dad's, but she's human Velcro. So she's always, always on me and, you know, basically like attached. If she was here, she would walk up and say, hi. And I'd say, I'm doing this podcast. And she would say, I don't care. So I would <laughs> And I have a Fortnite playing tween who is about to be 11. Um, and yes, so I don't, I don't know if I totally got your question, but I did go back to, at, right, I was just turning 40 when I started. It was a 20-month executive program that I did to get my MBA. And at the time, I mean, you're divorced on your own, single mom. So that's an interesting question. Um, I am divorced, but I was actually engaged. To someone. So at the time, uh, we are no longer engaged. We broke it off. I broke it off. But but I will say this. For the 20 months that I did the program, not only was he an incredible guy and helpful, because I went every weekend to school and almost every weeknight. I mean, it was crazy. It was well over 40 hours a week. And I was working. It was insane. We had four kids under 10 in the house while I was doing this and while he was working. So um Maybe that contributed to the to, to the end of the relationship, but um, it, it just ended up being not not working out. But um, so we had we had a lot to juggle. It was That's a right. lot. So, it was so a this is bad. what this is where I want to go with that. I mean, I just see, you know, you've you've got children, you've got a life, you've got to pay for this program. How did you apply what you're using now in your life to make sure that mental health was was protected? How did you care? for yourself and that of your children's uh, well-being because right now what what I want what what Christian and I want is we want tools for the people that are listening and their people are listening all around the world who may be struggling with with uh, depression and mental health issues yeah how did you handle that what did you learn and what can you share with our listeners that would help them right now in, in the challenging times that we're in to that's to, a great question. To find some balance, to find some mental health, to find some relief. Um, that's and especially with COVID and everything going on, there are so many added pressures and so much the depression and mental health issues are on the rise. And, you know, it's a really it's a scary time for that. I think that what I had to what I did not so well, and now you know, I learned so much throughout. I've had mental health experience throughout my life. Right. So this was nothing new to me. I knew how to deal with it. I made mistakes and looking back and now I'm really clear on things and how to handle things. It's first of all, let's start with first thing. Like I said, you got to get grateful. You got it because everything seems too big and you got to step down. And as much as you don't want to, cause God, it's the last thing I want to do. You got to take your pen and pat to a pad and you got to write down three things you're grateful for. And as soon as you do that, it takes you back to your breath. Because you're just there in that moment thinking of those three things. And it will actually, there are, there's actual clinical evidence that that will bring you up a notch in mood. So that's number one. Number two, you need to seek out help and support. You cannot, you, I don't want to say you can't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Ask for help. Reach out. Tell people how you're feeling. Don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about a stigma. Reach out to me. I will help you. I'm, I'm not, you know, going to try to sell you on something. All you need is like a really a smart ear that can say, I've been there. And then we can take some steps to get you to see somebody. I think seeing a professional is really important. Reaching out for help is super, super, super important. Exercise. Now, I just started training for a 5K. That might sound ridiculous to people that are runners, okay? Because the 5K isn't that far. Don't laugh at me, please. <laughs> you can laugh at me. But I started training, but I never ran before ever. I, I was a spinner and I did yoga, but I never ran. So I just started training. And I have to tell you that meditation and exercise is, I hate it, but it is such a mood booster. 
So getting up and out and active, and if you're home and you're feeling sad, getting out of your pajamas, getting dressed every day, taking a shower, that water is very cleansing. There's a lot of things we can talk about, a lot. And I think that the most important thing is putting your self-care as your number one priority. Saying I don't have time, saying it's not possible, I just, I don't, I don't think that that's the case. Because if I did it during this time, when I was juggling four kids' schedules, when I was doing 60 hours a week with between work and school, when I was, you know, everything. And like you said, paying for it myself and doing all of those things that were incredibly stressful. If I could make it, you can too. Annie, I really appreciate that message and thank you for sharing it. I'm intrigued by something that you said a few moments ago about communication, that uh, it's uh, a large percentage of the time, it's the crux of the issue. And that's backed up by my own experience. Uh, one of the projects that I do is I go and I, I interview executives and the heads of departments in organizations. And last year, I was asked to do a bit of a study on the responses that they gave to the questions that I was asking. And when it came to their successes, as they were describing things that went well for them, the number one reason that was mentioned, and it wasn't even close, was communication. It was the most important factor to their success. And then when people talked about the challenges that they were facing, the number one reason for their challenges was communication. So, and again, it wasn't even close. I mean, the only other thing that was remotely close was resources. We didn't have the resources, but communication was number one. So I think everyone recognizes it's vitally important, but it's not necessarily easy to implement effective communication in an organization. So if I'm in an organization and I realize I have a communication problem, what can I do to solve it? Well, I think, you know, one of the first things I would suggest is you have to start with yourself. You have to start with you and you have to start with your leadership team. So your, your internal team. So whether it's you and two partners or whatever it is, if you're that high level executive, if you're C-suite, you have to look inward. Are you leading by example? Are you communicating? Where are your expectations? What narratives are you telling? And, and I have a podcast um, like uh, that Spencer said, and when I talk about these things, you know, about narratives and things we create in our minds and a lot of the problems that we have go back to the stories we're telling ourselves. Oh, she did this and what she meant by this. And that's why she did this. And then he did this. And, and so, and, you know, that's why the executives are doing this. The things that your team's your teams know about you. So your transparency level, how transparent are you being? How authentic are you being? Are you modeling the way? That's the first thing I would say to that executive. That's how I would start solving the problem is piece by piece from that. And then that trickles down. And I also think that everybody needs a voice. So if, if, if it's top down leadership, I don't know if you know what I mean, by I'm sure you know what I mean by that, but like, if it's top down and you're not exploring the voice of your employees and they're not being heard and they're not aligned with your vision and mission, you're going to have issues. Yeah. And I love what you said in, in, in being, uh, you know, open as a communicator, because in the absence of that communication, in the absence of sharing your vision and mission with people, people will tell their own story. They will, in the absence of understanding they will create the story and whether it's real or not, that's what's in their head. That's the narrative in their head that they're reacting to. And it may or may not even come close to reality, but because you haven't taken control of that narrative, it's being made for you. Exactly. And that happens in personal relationships, both professionally and personal relationships at home. It happens everywhere. That's why marriages you know, and that's why friendships, that's why people fight so much. Whereas we can have a, an, you know, we could have a conversation about that and say, not you, 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 but I feel that this, this, and this. And then what I try to do in my life really is I try to model the way for my children. And I try to model the way for my, for everyone around me. So they can see this is the way Annie acts. 
She says what she's going to do. She does what she says she's going to do. Like I put my money where my mouth is, in other words. And I think if more people did that, there would be a lot less conflict within organizations. You kind of like the Mandalorian, aren't you? The what? The Mandalorian, right? You know, Christian, this is the way. Well, yeah, that's a that's a Star Wars reference. <laughs> yeah, that's not an Annie reference. I mean, oh, I like shoot, Ewoks. sorry, I like not part Ewoks, of the Annie two dictionary. <laughs> sorry, I totally. Um, yeah, I I I don't mean to say like this is the only way. I just think that that they're they're in this in my experience the threads throughout have always been these communication problem threads and looking inward, so many people blame and that ties it into what we started with, which is looking that turning that lens in and many executives look, my, my business is hard because many executives don't want to hear that. They want me to fix it. They want it fixed. They want it done. You do it, take care of it, but they need to look at themselves. Right. So part of the, 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 you know, the statement or the, the initial discovery needs to be, are you willing to consider that the problem is, is that you're part of the problem. The problem, yeah, I would probably not say it maybe just like that. Like maybe I wouldn't say say it exactly phrased like that because I'm just trying to help and not offend anybody. But maybe, you know, I could work around that verbiage and 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 kind of let them come up with the idea because when they can stumble upon it, then it's their idea, right? Just don't tell anybody my secrets. But you know. well, Annie and Spencer, you both said something that I think is quite profound, which is controlling the narrative. But from a personal perspective, as you mentioned, Annie, we're authoring our own narrative and our mind continuously. And we probably don't even realize that we're authoring it. It just happens because we've been doing it our, our entire lives. We've been, we've been authoring this narrative. And for me, that's a watershed moment when you can realize, Hey, I'm actually the author of this narrative, which means I can write this narrative however I want to write this narrative. So why don't I write it in a way that's going to make me feel better? Why do I need to write the narrative in a way that makes me feel like garbage? Or how about you start with awareness and observing that you're writing the narrative and don't write the narrative at all and say, you know what, this is something I need to relinquish control with. I don't know what he's thinking unless I ask him. I don't know why he decided to cut that job or eliminate this procedure or whatever it is, unless I find out. So if there's clear communication from upstairs down, then, and there's, and you make it clear communication horizontally as well, then everybody's happy because everybody knows where they stand, even if those conversations are hard. But that takes responsibility. And it means you have to take responsibility for that story and say, okay, I get to stop that and find out and ask. And that means, you know, sometimes it's just easier. It's the lazy way to create the story. Well, well, to, to that point, it's not, it's, it's that, but sometimes it's. People you avoid conflict, to, you said. Yes. People have to actually say, I don't know and let it go. I'll give you an example. Today, I got an email from somebody that I was waiting for and it wasn't an answer either way. It was kind of a, we'll let you know what's going to be with this and this. And I it was kind of a leading email. It was like, had a happy face. And I was like, I said to a friend, you know, I think this is a, this is definitely a good email. This is definitely like, and he goes, whoa, Miss Queen of not telling stories. And I'll call myself out. He said, you're telling a story right now. You don't know. And you're not going to know until you get the follow-up email that he promised you. And I said, you're exactly right. I was just telling a narrative about what I was thinking they were going to decide or not decide or say to me. And it was a totally made up story. And I had to observe that, be aware of it and say, I don't know. And I'm not going to know. So I need to let that go right now. And letting that go and relinquishing that control is really hard for some people because they want to control everything. Well, and that's the problem with what's going on right now with, with COVID. COVID is we don't know what's going to happen, when things are going to turn around, when things are going to normalize. And that is... Unknowns are so hard. Just killing so many people right now, figuratively. And and what's sad about that is, you know, I read an article the other day, I don't have it exactly, but it was spinning and, and saying, you know, let's talk about the ways that 
that not that we're growing further apart and that we're, that we're all being depressed and sad, but let's talk about the ways our families, we talked about this, Spencer, our families have been playing games. Our families have been sitting down to dinner. We've been cooking more together. My son makes, he could open up a bakery. Okay. I don't know where this came from, but like, these are the things, these puzzles that I never sat down and did a 500 piece puzzle. I'm way too impatient. Right. But these are the things that I'm doing with my children. These are the moments that we have now, the silver lining, the living with attitude kind of way of looking at things, changing the perspective. Of course, COVID stinks. There's no way around that. People are dying. We can't, we don't have a cure. We don't have a vaccine. We have all these problems, right? But at the same time, we have a lot of good. So if we can get a little bit grateful about the things that we have in the time with our family, instead of, oh, another night altogether, it's like, wow, some people that can't be with their families would really die for this right now. So let's get grateful. How do you address the, the stigma that healthcare has? You know, you talked about it. You can't see it. You, you know, you talked about how we just like, Hey, you just need to cheer up. Um, you know, so often we just feel like it's just, you just got to PMA it, right. You know, positive mental attitude things and, and, you know, health push through, just push through. Yeah. Just push through. And, and, you know, talked about the chemical imbalance and a lot of times, you know, people are seen as there's something wrong with them. How do you, how do you handle that with your clients with just, you know, what do you talk about that to help people get past that? I would be completely empathic about that and, and probably tell some really personal experiences that I have both with friends and myself and family and explain that they're absolutely not alone. I would give some statistics and some numbers and some raw data, and I would probably recommend a book or two to take a look at because this is so prevalent. This is so important. This is so serious that if you are worried about a stigma, then we need to talk a little bit more. We need to get to the bottom of your worth issues because look around, look at, look at, you know, there's examples in celebrities. There's, there's, there's data everywhere. I mean, this is a really big issue. You are nowhere near alone. If you're feeling this depression hurts and it is hard and you're not weird and you're not an other. I've been there. I, I have dealt with this. I know how all of this feels and we can fight this together. So it would be like a teaming up type approach. And I mean it from my heart. So there's no way that I could make this up. But I'm telling you right now that I know for a fact, there's very little that somebody could say to me that I wouldn't feel in my heart and truly be able to maybe not relate to, but always understand. Because I can always draw from experiences and I've had a lot of them. I've lived a couple of lives. So I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. If somebody's listening and you feel like I can't tell I'm macho, you know, there's a lot of like my dad's generation, you know, that's like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't admit that, you know, I'd be weak. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. let's, let's take that. Let's take that down a little bit and get to the root of what's going on here. Well, that comes from the greatest generation, right? Who fought two world wars. They're the ones who taught us this whole top down. You talk about top down leadership yes, and from take that hill. And that style of leadership has, has really entered our, you know, corporate consciousness for, for decades. And it's still lingering in my generation and Christian, you know, we're the Gen Xers, right? We've been taught by the baby boomers who, are, who learned from that greatest generation who, you know, that that's just how they led and it doesn't work today anymore. No. And see, my attitude says, well, actually, I think it's completely shifting. And I think there's leadership with empathy and servant leadership and all these different ways and things that are adjusting and happening now that are good. And there's so much good, believe it or not, that's going to come of this remote work, understanding of families and kids coming on a Zoom and jumping in and being on an executive's lap or, you know, I got to run and go get my kids at soccer practice. I'll be back for the meeting. And there's so much more empathy and compassion and understanding than ever. I, I believe. So there's a way to look at this and we can, we can shift our lens and our perspective on things that yes, there is a lot of stuff about this that stinks, but if you're truly living your best life, you will realize and see that there is some good that will come of this, this, these uncertain times. Well, I think that's a fitting capper to our conversation today, Annie. We've used up just about all of your time that we had allotted for today. So I really appreciate you being so generous with us and sharing your experiences and really opening up 
if people want to know more about what you do, if they want to learn more about Anitude, what is the best way for them to reach out and contact you? All they have to do is go to annielieb.com. So it's A-N-N-I-E-L-E-I-B as in boy.com. Annielieb.com will explain everything that I do. They can reach out to me, pick a time on my calendar to chat, and we'll talk. Um, I'm just really just a down to earth person that just wants to have a conversation. And I promise you, you will feel better after we speak. That's what I can say. Well, I, I attest to that, you know, it was so great when, when we met, you know, and what's interesting about you, Annie, is not only are you helping people with your experience and your ideas, but if you can't help them, you refer them to other people. And I know that you have a, a close friend that you actually referred me to to help. And that was after our first conversation. And you're like, and, and not only that, let me introduce you to some of the groups that I'm in that I work with. And you're so willing to do whatever it takes. And that is, that's something that I just, I, I feel like is, is such a great um, character trait that, that you have. And, you know, it speaks a lot to your, your giving, nature and, and how you want to give to people that you meet. That's yeah. the certain leadership that you're talking about. So you, yeah. you, I, I can testify and, and you and I just met re- recently and, and this is what you've already done for me. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet both of you and be here. And I just felt like the conversation flowed and it was simple to just talk about what I love and I'm here to help and serve. That's why I'm here. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Spencer, if people want to get in touch with you as well, because you can also help in this ecosystem of support, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? Yeah, thank you, Christian. Email me at spencer at altiumleadership.com. That's uh, with like an A, uh, like attitude. <laughs> it's altium. It's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. And Annie, it's so great to have you. And I can't wait to have my wife and I go out to, to dinner or lunch when we come to yeah, Philly next I'll week. I'll take you, you for the best I mean, I know where it is. You guys don't. Yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally down with that. And I know, I know Jan and my wife will love that too. We'll be I'll so get you some water ice too. Water, water ice, yes. Yeah. Christian, what about you? How do, how do people find you Because with all your great experience? Uh, well, people can find me at uh, my website, gp4.com. That's gpfour.com. Or email me at cnapier at gp4.com or look me up on LinkedIn. All right, Spencer and Annie, thank you so much for uh, an incredible hour. I really appreciate you sharing all of your insights. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, guys. Peace.